Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to the I Fell Podcast. I'm your host and creator, Shay Ruff, also known as Wisdom by 30 author and owner. What is this podcast about? This podcast is a space where failure is welcome. Our guests and myself will be sharing our failed moments to help you get through yours and be set free from regret. So grab your favorite snacks, drink, friend, while we get free together. See you soon. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the IFL podcast. I am your host and creator, Shay Ruff. Today, we are discussing failure at dating and marriage. Ooh, we... Ooh-wee. Okay, so this one is going to be good. So today's guest is Miss Tasha T. Houston. She's an author, editor, entrepreneur, and one of my life's pillars. We've been best friends since high school, so you know we this gonna be real conversation. So Tasha, thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me, Shay. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. So let's ooh. I usually say let's jump into this topic, but let's move <laughs> into this thing because I'm. <laughs> I'm gonna try and behave, Lord. Help me behave. Yeah, help. Just help and help, Lord, as much as possible because we're gonna try. Okay, so uh, okay, even into this topic. Um, so how did you fail at dating? Mm-hmm. Child, I don't know if we have enough time on the podcast. <laughs> We got time today. We got time today. All right. So let's start at the beginning. I I feel that I failed at dating mostly because I felt like I just kept attracting a certain kind of guy. Okay. And I really couldn't figure out what it was within me or what it was within them that made them attracted to me or me attracted to them. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like just couldn't figure it out. And I felt like I kept getting it wrong. I kept finding myself in situations and I'm like, I know better. I know yeah. I can do better. Like, you know, not to toot my own horn, but a little toot toot. I ain't no ugly chick, friend. I'm not an ugly person. You we know, know friend. We know. You know what I'm mean? saying? So finding myself with these rudy poos and it's just like, oh, <laughs> what is happening, Lord? Lord, what is happening, right? Um. But I, I, I really failed at dating because I wasn't dating with purpose. I wasn't dating mm. with intention. You know, I was, I was out here trying to see what it would, what it would become. Like I had this idea in my mind of what it could become, right. but my idea and the manifestation of what it really was and who that connection was with, it was just, it was just different. It was yeah. just, you know, there's no manual out there for dating. There are um, several books, of course, and some of them are really, really great books on dating and the steps to it and things like that. But all of it is different. All of it is unique and customized to the person and the persons within that relationship. Yeah. Sometimes you get it right and sometimes you don't. <sighs> just right there. I just had to take a breather because that <laughs> not dating with purpose. Well, first of all, okay, so moment of truth. So when we were in high school, you know, high school is kind of like for most people, that's like the the breathing ground for okay, 
I have a boyfriend, I have a girlfriend, whatever, right? And so I have to say that you were one of the people that I looked up to because I was like, wait a minute, Tasha not doing this. So let me make sure I'm doing this the right way or whatever. You know, when I, I, for real, for real, started dating was uh, junior, yes, junior year of high school. And so that was my high school sweetheart. And we dated after graduation and went into like the first part Mind you, I said first part mm. of freshman year. And so it was like you were kind of like the the blueprint for me because if we looked at all the other issues that <laughs> were going on elsewhere, we would have been all messed up. But <laughs> but you were kind of like the the driving force or whatever. And I was like, okay, if, if Tasha's not doing it, then then this is this is not this is not the right thing to do. So to say that you weren't dating with a purpose. I never saw that. But of course, we are our own critics right. above everybody. Right. So, and dating with purpose is important because what, like, what are you seeking? What is your end result? What is your, what are your goals right. when it comes to dating? Like, you can't just be out here like, oh, I'm just going to date you. I'm going to date you. I'm going to date. Like, there's a part where you do have like, that careless i'm gonna just have fun do whatever i want to do but what is your end result what what exactly are you doing and i can honestly say clearly i wrote a book on it uh shameless plug (laughs) with my third get it it's so good wisdom about 30 get it thank you where i write about my dating experiences from high school Mm -hmm. from 17 up until uh, the day that I married my husband. And so um, you can see all of the screw-ups that happened within this journey over here. But right. <laughs> but it was um, it, dating, like nobody really tells you how to do it. For my mama, it was just like, uh, don't do it. Just, just don't do it. Whatever you do, just don't do it. Don't go that way. Just don't right. do it. And so, of course, when you tell somebody don't do something, you're like, but why? Maybe, maybe I should try it for myself. What's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? Like what? What could possibly go wrong? So when you when you realized that you were dating without purpose, like what did that feel like? What was that like? Oh God, um, that felt like. It felt like getting getting the wind kicked out of you when you re- when you come to that realization. It feels like you are literally getting the wind kicked out of you. So, um, I can't remember the actual age upon which I came to the realization that eh, I'm probably not doing this right. <laughs> uh, but I think it was like maybe mid twenties. So you know, we had already graduated high school. We're already in the thick of college and things like that, right. and we're preparing for graduation. And so I found myself connected to this guy um, in college. Like, Shay, when I say connected to, baby, listen, you saw him, you saw me, you saw us, we was one, okay? And then um, the funny thing happened was we got disconnected. And when that disconnect disconnect happened, I was like, you know, WTF, what is going on? God, I don't really understand life. Right. Because I hadn't prepared myself for 
that disconnection. And the, the reason I hadn't prepared myself for it is because I hadn't had proper preparation before entering into anything like that. Ooh. And when you're dating with a purpose, which you should be doing at whatever point and age that you decide that, hey, I no longer want to just date just to see what could happen. I want to date to make sure this happens. Yeah. And this has to be stronger than you know what you want to see. But at that age when it happened, I wasn't properly prepared. And like you said earlier, like my mom, I didn't have the strongest um, connection in the, in the dating dating aspect. Me and my mom, that's that's my homie. But right. as far as the dating aspect, we didn't sit down, have these face to face over the kitchen table conversations talking about dating. I can remember like I was riding with my mama. I had to be about 15, 16 years old. I told her I was inter interested in a boy and she almost wrecked the car. So I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I can't like, who do I talk to? So you guys, my peers, my friends, y'all became, you know, where I came for advice. Y'all became, y'all was my Essence magazine before Essence was out. Like y'all oh. was it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to figure out how does life go? How does love work? And I'm watching my friends do it. Right. So we're just, at the same time, we're just mimicking off of one another. And we didn't have that, well, speaking for me, I didn't have that proper preparation in the home. And let's mm -hmm. not even scratch the surface of the fact that my dad, my biological dad, was an absentee dad during that time. Yep. So where I should have been more deeply rooted and grounded in, in all of those things that lead up to finding that love and making that deep connection, I didn't have all of that. So I'm mm. out here trying to literally figure it out one relationship at a time. And that's just not, that shouldn't have been the blueprint. It right. was, it shouldn't have been the blueprint. I agree because our parents is the blueprint. Like right. that's, that's what we go to. So my mom was a single, of course, single parents across America. Um, single parent, raising three children, working two jobs or whatever. I'm the oldest, so I'm the, I'm I'm helping as much as possible with, you know, my brothers and everything or whatever. And the most that I knew of my dad was at the age of five. That was my first time meeting him. And I have pictures to prove that it was not the best event <laughs> at all because my facial expressions was horrible. Then, you know, he was around in my life or whatever. And he was, you know, kind of kind of there help raising us. And he proposed to my mom and they were, you know, going to get married. And then he left her standing at the altar. Oh. Now, me being the age that I was so young, remembering that, remembering the parties, remember seeing him the night before the wedding and, you know, just being excited about it. And then he up and disappeared or whatever. And then three years later, he's like back like nothing happened. Like, ain't nothing happened. I just went on a vacation. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Right. All right. You know, and so now he's back and my baby brother is born and he's in our life and he becomes an ordained minister and all of this other stuff. But later I find out that he's dating another woman. He's taking care of her children. He was married twice before he proposed to my mom. Like it was just a wreck. So from hearing that, like going into my, into my high school years, I knew I didn't want that. Like right. that, that right. dysfunctional. Like I'm smart enough to know I don't, I don't want any of that. However, I didn't want any of my mom, of what my mom was going through. Not saying that, you know, she was bad or anything. My mom just didn't go anywhere. Like she was, she was stuck to us. Like it was work, sleep 
church children and she did it every day of the week and it would be some days where she come home and we'll be talking to her and she in mid conversation and she falling asleep because she's so tired so she really didn't have a chance to date and I don't know what that, that feels like to be in my late 20s early 20s late 20s and not date or uh, not be free or not have you know I have children or whatever but she was she was in a space where she didn't date but when she did it was it was hard for her. Like it really, really was hard. So I knew I didn't want that. And I definitely knew I didn't want children at an early age. Right. Right. <laughs> I was not, I, I just know I wouldn't have been strong enough for that or whatever, but I knew in that aspect that I didn't want it. So going back to what you said, like our parents are our blueprint, right? They're our blueprint but because I think and this is just my thought process and I'm, I'm not speaking for them but I think my mom and your mom was just like I've been through too much for you to go through the same thing that I went through oh so no you're not gonna date yeah. <laughs> yes and similar to what you were saying about your mom like my mom had me and my sister when she was really young so yeah. when she was 23 she had me so she's yeah. on the cusp of the dating you know the dating spectrum and, and getting out there and you know, connecting and networking and seeing what is and what's not for you. At that time, 23, 25, she was already mama. So right. it wasn't, she didn't have time to date. Like she, homegirl was dating with a purpose. Like, dude, <laughs> I got two kids at home. Either you yep. go or you not go. But I, I have too much responsibility. I have too much hinging on this for you to come in and mess it up. Yeah. And when she was 25, she met my stepdad and they were together 26, 27 years until he actually passed away. Oh, and my. so- that see. became a blueprint, but in the beginning, you know, I'm five years old. I'm only seeing what mama is showing. And at the time that didn't involve a man. Yeah. That there was no, she was coming home and she was going to the club. And then I'm seeing her after the club. Nah, we had mama was there when I woke up. Mama was there when I was napped. Mama was there when I went to sleep. Mama was there when lunch was up. So, you know, I didn't have all of that. And then with my dad, my biological dad, I was, and I write about this in, in an upcoming book, um, Shameless Plug. I don't have a title yet. Yes, come on with it. Uh, <laughs> but I write about that in that aspect. Like, he didn't tell me that he loved me until I was 13. Oh. Until I was 13. So I had already formed in my mind that aspect of what love from a man looked like because I didn't, I didn't have it. So yeah. there was part of me in that developmental stage that felt like I didn't need it. So you take a, a girl that felt like she didn't need love from a man and then you put her in, in a, an environment where there are men that are saying, I love you or wanting to love her and she doesn't have all of the tools to correctly love them back. And right. that's a recipe for disaster. Oh, it's a recipe for disaster. And so my dating life reflected, you know, that 13, I love you, that 13 year old girl saying, Dad saying, I love you, it reflected that. It really mm. reflected that. All the way up into and through a marriage, it reflected that. Oh, oh man. That's, you know what? Now that you, you say that, like that's that's shedding light on some, some real honesty or whatever. Because when it came to, I don't think my dad ever told me that he, yeah, I don't think he did. Like, there's not one moment where I was like, oh, yeah, my dad said he loved me. I don't think I ever heard that from him. I heard it from my mom. I heard it from my grandmother. The uh, closest father figure that I had in my life is my Uncle Corey. My Uncle Corey is my everything. You mess with my Uncle Corey, it's going down. Like, it, <laughs> it, 
it's a problem. I'll be ready to fight. But no, my uncle Corey, but he was also not only was he was a father figure, but he's like the big brother that I never had or whatever. So right. I heard it from him and I'm not gonna lie, he gave me so much game when it came to, you know, dating and everything. And I'm not gonna lie, I did what I wanted to do. I really did. I did what I wanted to do. And and he told me it would happen, but he never ever stuck his finger in my face and was like, I told you so. He right. never did that. He was like, oh well, you know, you messed up. You want a coke? You want to cry about it? <laughs> we're gonna be we'll oh, be all right. We're gonna get Popeyes. We all right. And you know, so it so that's that's a, a interesting point because I don't think my dad ever told me that, even in the time that he was around. I don't I don't think he ever told me that. I, I know we've went toe to toe like argument or whatever, but I don't think he ever told me that he loved me. So that was that's yeah, and maybe that's why it felt so crazy to hear it. Like you hear a guy say, I love you, you like what? What? Boy bye. Before boy bye became boy bye, boy bye. <laughs> <laughs> like stop playing, whatever. Right. You you you're joking. Like we you don't know how to ass- you know, to receive it or whatever. And I know, you know, it's jokes about people that be like, oh, I told her I love her and she didn't say nothing. No, for real, I didn't. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Maybe I love you back, but I don't know if I mean it. Just keep mm. it real. You got to keep it real. So that that's, um, and I'm sure that's going to be pivotal for somebody else too, because, um, because they probably gonna be like, oh yeah, dang, maybe right. that's why it's so hard for me to love. Right, because you don't mm-hmm. realize that you need it, and you don't realize that it's an actual deficit until you come across somebody that's trying to love you correctly, and yeah. you like, oh my god, what's happening? Your yeah. mind freaks out, your mind goes crazy, your heart tries to run, and you like, you got your G nights laced up, like I'm out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And, oh boy, looking look, at you like, look, kept I, her Nikes ready. Kept her Nikes ready. Like, I listen, I they in my purse, they on my shoulder. Look, I'm ready. I'm ready to run. What? Shoot. He loved me, so let me pack up. And that's crazy, too, because love to me did look like leaving. Mm. Love to me did look like leaving. Like, okay, I love you. Bye. Yeah. You know, so it it did because that's what my dad did. Like he was in and out, doing whatever he want, when he want, how he want, or whatever. But that's what exactly what it looked like. And so, yeah, that's all. Oh, that's deep. That's deep. Yeah, that that's really really deep. So, okay, so knowing this and knowing that you weren't dating on uh, with purpose, mm-hmm. that you really didn't have any goals, that that you really didn't know. What love looked like. What made you keep trying, though? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> it's 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 bad for you. Okay, so I'm I'm a romantic at heart. Like Shay, like everything romantic. All the all the romance, all that girly stuff. Like I really like that on a slip. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't something that you could be. You can't be in the five hundred four talking about I like hearts and, and teddy bears. If no, it ain't Valentine's Day, you yeah, that's just not what you do. You know what I'm saying? So you had to be that hard exterior soft chick. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, and I I loved all of that in high school. I would come home and I would watch this show on TLC called A Wedding Story. 
Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. It was so bad. That and what was that show? The Huxtables, the Cosby show. Yeah. So my definition of love was from what I saw on the show with the Huxtables and then what I saw within the wedding story. It just became what I wanted. That became the ultimate goal. I thought in my mind, because I was all up in love with him at the time, like in high school, that it would lead to marriage. I just thought that that was the, the natural progression of it. Mm. I, I honestly, for me, I didn't see myself going to college. I thought it was nice. My mama wanted me to go, and she's mm-hmm. crazy, so I went. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was my nat- natural progression, I thought that I would end up married after high school. And so I was coming home every day. Like it was study session. I was watching a wedding story. I could tell you when it came on, what time it came on. I could tell you when it was doing the playback. And it was an extra treat when somebody like us showed up on the screen talking about how they love this person, things like that. Wow. So that became my blueprint in a sense. I already okay. had everything that was going around in my environment. Um, I had a biological dad, didn't tell me he loved me until he was 13, right? I had my stepdad who was doing a great job of being a father figure, but there was no advice given at the time. He just let my mom be our disciplinarian and everything that I got from my mom, I got from my mom. Got Any it. advice that I needed from my stepdad, it wasn't offered, but it was kind of like the door is open if you need to walk through it. Yeah. Like, we didn't have those face-to-face conversations either. And then on the flip side, like the first boyfriend I had, honestly, he was not a saint. <laughs> he was not a saint. Like looking at high school, who I was back then, we never should have been together, Lord. But just like you said, I had this this thing, and I was like, well, why? Why not? I'll tell you why not. Because there is some there is some trapptivity that this young man may or may not be around <laughs> it, but. Child couldn't tell me nothing. You hear me? Couldn't tell me nothing. But honestly, it was just those things became my blueprint. And I kept falling, I kept falling in love with the idea of love. Yeah. And that's what kept my hopes high. Like there, you can't show me the Huxtables and you can't show me the wedding story. And you couldn't show me all of the things that were happening on what a different world or what was happening on Living Single or what was happening on Friends at the time. You yeah. can't show me that. And then expect me to not have this high hoping desire of it. And this is even when I had those deficits of love in my life. Like I still wanted it. It had to be, if they can put it on TV, I felt like God could do it in my life. And so I started depending more on God to just show it to me. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I started seeking and understanding the real definition of discernment. And Mm -hmm. telling you what to do, what not to do, and immediately speaking it into your life. But before all of that, it was just Tasha decisions. Right. Come on. It was Come just on. my decisions. It was just like, mm, I'm not going to do that. And then it was like, uh, Jesus, listen, I think I might be about to do something stupid. But if you catch me when I fall, I think I'll be OK. OK, cool. <laughs> Love you. Bye. I'm out. Right. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> and, and that became that became my love language that became my love pattern that became love reciprocity that became all of those things it shouldn't have been no but it taught me so many love lessons along the way that i thank god for the way that he he played this thing out honestly yeah 
Yeah, that's that's good because discernment I didn't learn, of course, until I was much older. And I'll be honest with you. I went to I grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. I went to church. Nobody was really talking about uh dating, sex, marriage. It was just like don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, right. don't do that. Are you going to go to hell? And I knew I didn't want to go there. However, comma <laughs> I like boys. <laughs> and I'm interested. And I want to know, they like me too. So what am I supposed to be doing? What am I not, you know, like what am, what am I not supposed to be doing in this space or whatever? And so for me, it was like when I moved, so I moved to Atlanta when I was 17, mm-hmm. um, a couple of weeks. Well, yeah, a couple of weeks before my 18th birthday. And I got out here and I'm not gonna lie. I, I was like, let me test these waters. Let me right, see. Right. Let, me let me let me have fun. It lasted for all of like three months and then I was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do this no more. But I feel like if I would have had somebody like Shay, don't do that. That's right. just not that's just not okay. Like I think in a lot of parts of my life or in a lot of um events in my life, if somebody would been like Shay, don't do that. Right. Don't don't do that at all. And it's not that I, it's not that I couldn't pray. I just didn't know what that was like. Right. I didn't know what that conversation was like. Cause for me, prayer looked like King James version. Okay. That's that's exactly what it looked like. And I, and I'll tell you the truth. When my, my grandmother passed away, December 26, 2006. The day that we buried her was uh, January 3rd, if I'm not mistaken. We buried her January 3rd. Well, had her funeral and, you know, buried her. I would not get out at the gravesite. So I sat inside of the car while the rest of my family went and, you know, oversaw everything else. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting in the limo. I can see from where I was, I could see them putting her casket into the ground. Mm -hmm. The moment that they did that, I gasped for air and I felt her prayers fall off my life Mm. because she had been carrying me through prayer. I'm her granddaughter so far away or whatever. I felt all of her prayers like it it went away with her. And so I had to learn how to to pray on my own because dating for me was my Achilles heel. Just like you, like I'm a hopeless romantic. Like when I love you, Please believe I love everything about you. Good, bad, ugly. I'm a fight for you in the streets. I'm a fight for you wherever we at. Like it's it's a hard thing. So when I had breakups, it took me a minute to get my life together because I had given a hundred and fifty percent of myself to that person, to that relationship. And so when it was over, it was like, oh, don't talk to me for three days. I need to go cry. I need to go. Ice cream, send the cookies. Chocolate ice cream, my favorite cereal, O's, honey nut O's. Don't forget the Mary J. Blige CD. Mary J. Blige, she always knows when to release. Okay, she always knows when to release. Between Mary J. Blige, Monica, because that was my other. That was my other. And depending on what time it was, uh, or what period it was, Keisha Cole was my go-to too. Yeah. She was, she really was. Um, but <laughs> but it was it was 
it was in that moment where I needed discernment. It was in that moment where I needed a for real prayer life. It was in those moments where I really needed to know who God was and what, first of all, how he, how much he loved me. Because if I want to know how much he loved me, half of them jokers wouldn't have made it. <laughs> Girl, you gonna make it throw something. <laughs> That's just the truth. Half of them jokers would not have made they wouldn't have made it. That's all I'm gonna say. They wouldn't have made it. So so bringing God into dating Mm -hmm. is so important. It it really is. It really is important. And your conversation with him, like now me and God, like how me and you are talking, that's that's how we talk. That's our everyday conversation. I don't know what your conversation may look like, but that and it's prayer it's still prayer it's it's still prayer so so yeah that's that's important to bring prayer into your dating life and to also um to also build your blueprint around to also build your blueprint around and add your goals so when did you start setting dating goals Uh oh (laughs) How much time we got? I was talking. Oh, um, I I believe it was mid twenties again. I had already graduated. Um, I had gotten my first job after graduation. Okay. And I was still not necessarily running the streets, but still trying to figure it all out. Right. Okay. I think it was after, because up until age, let's say age twenty five, up until I graduated from college. There were, you know, there were a few proposals. There was one that I actually accepted. And from that proposal, it didn't lead to marriage. And so I think after that one, I was like, well, what am I looking for? I already, I already received the proposal. And I, he was a good guy, mm-hmm. but I just wasn't in a place to be married at that time. So what am I really looking at? I started looking into myself. Um, yeah. I think it had to be about age 26, 27, when I started asking God what it was that was in me that he wanted to reflect within a union. Um, I started doing a lot of self-reflection and things of that nature. I started journaling a little bit more mm-hmm. and just trying to see who who I wanted to be connected to. And I remember, I will never forget, I remember I was in my apartment on my knees and I was praying to God and I would, I would pray next to my window. And there was a certain someone that I was praying for to be like, to be my man. Like, like, no, God, I pick him. Yeah. His name. And like, I had the full government name. Lord. I was saying the whole prayer, baby. <laughs> and it was just like, when that became a disappointment, because this is something that I prayed for. And God said in his word, ask me, you shall receive. And that's what it said. That's what and I was asking God, yet I'm not receiving, Lord. And I'm trying to understand how this verse really works. <laughs> um, that's when I started setting more intentional goals. That's when I started saying, okay, well, um, one, I need him to be a man of God. Yes. Two, I need us to have a connection. There was one thing that I left out that I know we're, we'll get to. But, you know, I started asking those prayers, saying those prayers, praying those prayers. Yeah. And that's how I, I transitioned out of where I was thinking I was supposed to be with a certain someone into another relationship. Right. Okay. So oh, that's a, 
that's a tough moment to have. Mm. One, especially when you're down. At, look, I didn't been there. I didn't pray on my knees like, Lord, you sent him to me. We've been together this long. Right. He's supposed to be together, or whatever. And so, um, I know, I know he gonna propose, and I know we're gonna be together for the rest right. of our lives. Wow. I let me tell you something. If you're not glad, I'm glad that God don't answer every single prayer Jesus. with a yes. This child. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He canceled them, and I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that all of his answers are not yes. I'm so, and you may not understand it then, but oh boy, just give you me. understand. You understand it, like my grandmother said. You understand by and by. Right. Right. <laughs> you understand by and by, and and yeah, that's the other thing too. Because I was like, okay, I'm reading the word. I'm reading these scriptures. And you said, ask and you shall receive. Um, and, and you're saying that if I seek you first, the kingdom of heaven, right. all these things will be added to me and give me the desires of my heart. And he's my heart, Lord. He, he is. Okay. He is my heart. Okay. His name is tattooed on my heart, Lord. <laughs> Spiritually, it's tattooed. <laughs> That's what it said. And it said to read your word back to you. That's what the pastor said. The pastor said, read your word back to you. So I'm reading your word back to you and I'm inserting his name because he's my heart. No, he ain't. No, no. He never was. No, he wasn't. He never was. He never was. So yeah, I went through that too. And if and if you're in a space where you're um for those who are listening, if you're in a space where you're reading the scriptures and you're feeling like your prayers aren't being answered, you might need to check your intentions. Yeah. You might need to check your purpose because uh, you might be out of line just a little bit, just a little bit. And God is so loving that he won't tell you right away because he know you're not going to receive it because we don't receive the truth Mm-mm. in certain spaces. So he's not going to tell you it right away, but he's going to show you be careful what you ask for because what you don't want is an Ishmael. That's what you don't want. You get a joke and he full of them. He will sing you a joke and yes. you will be sitting there like, okay, this this not, this ain't what I pray God, for. Stop playing, God. <laughs> <laughs> send the real ones. Stop playing. Like, send the real ones. Stop playing. So, yeah. So, with the, so, what was your turning point for dating? What was what was that aha moment? That's an excellent question. Uh, <laughs> let's see, let's see, let's see. I have I, I don't I don't think I had just one aha moment. I think it was a, a series of aha moments. Um, okay. A series of internal aha moments that were going off as far as dating was concerned. Um like the connection, one of the, as an example, the connection with one of the guys at the time was spanned over a decade. And so oh. it got to a turning point with him in particular that I was like, I can't do this no more. Mm. I know how much I love you, but I'm not getting the same thing back. And we've, we've been doing this dance. We've been having this revolving door for a minute. Yeah. So, yeah. It's time for me to check out. And that moment in in actually letting him go because I know I knew how bad he was for me not to say he's a bad person it's just we were we were not a good fit for one another at the time we wanted separate things and when 
when we had that conversation and I let him know what was what and we had our last face to face and he was just like, I know I'm not good for you, but I still want you. And I'm like, I understand that, but yeah, no, that's a no for me. Yeah. And that's selfish too. Oh, you selfish. (laughs) That's a no for me. I can still love you, but I'm gonna have to love you from over there. Yep. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with realizing we are two great people, but we're not great for each other. Right. So I'm going to go your way. I'm going to go my way. Because people, so people get stuck on time. One. Ooh. Oh, we've been knowing each other for years. We've been doing this, this, and this. Honey, let me tell you something. Don't it don't take that long to even figure it all out. If you back and forth, 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 at some point, somebody got to stop and be like, I'm tired. I'm tired. I can't. I can't keep doing it. And you owe it to yourself to stop. Stop it. The insanity is doing the same thing over and over. And I'm not gonna lie to you. I used to look at relationships like, oh, they've been together three years. Right. Oh, they've been together five years. And this this is outside of marriage, just dating. Right. For me, dating. Me for me, dating over two years was like glory. It was like. <gasps> Y'all been dating that long? Like, what y'all doing to to keep it going? Right. Ain't nobody proposed. Ain't no rain. And I get it. Marriage, not for everything, not for everybody. But you're not about to sit here and waste my time for three years talking about some common law marriage. We ain't, no. No. Because I'm going to need for you to confess before the Lord and everybody else. And I'm gonna have to do the same thing too. But I used to, I I used to glory in that. Oh my God, I used to glory in that because I just thought like, oh, the years, like years, me, right. you put in hard work, you put in the time, you put in the effort, and it's just two lazy people that just feel like they can't get nobody else, or they didn't done so much to each other that they feel like nobody else will put up with their stuff, so they just decide to stay, and it's absolutely sad. I agree. It is because God is not a respecter of time. Like we're literally the only beings that are consumed with time. Yes. He he has, he has no timeline. He does everything. If he can make the world in what? Seven days. Yes. He's not a respecter of time. Nobody knows how much time went between day one and day two or day five and day six. Nobody knows. Right. And there's so many people that use time as a crutch, especially when it comes to relationships, because like you said, I've put in all this work. I've mm-hmm. put in so much time. We've been together so long. My family like you so much. So what? Right. Set and your standards, for you. set your requirements. Either they meet them or you got to leave them. Point blank and period. That's it. Like there's no, there's no in between. And so I do, I believe in standards. And I do believe that you should have them, but I also believe that you should be realistic. Yes. You got to be realistic. Like you got to have realistic expectations. Like I posted maybe like two weeks ago, you can expect value from a relationship and from somebody else, but do you, you yourself bring value to the table? Right. Like the stuff that you asking for, are you willing to do? The stuff that you're requiring, have you passed the test first? Because you can't be asking me to be a millionaire and you can't handle $10. Right. Like That's just not going to work. You can't ask me to be debt free and you still owe all this money to this person, that person. And you got 14 collection agencies on your report. Like you can't be asking me no. to do that. Well, and you don't have that. 
Like that's not wisdom. Right. I don't care what you think. <laughs> it's not it's not wisdom to require something of somebody else that you're not willing and able to do effortlessly. Right. Like that's 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 just crazy. That's crazy. So okay, so because I'll go on a tangent off of that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's get into the marriage part. Oh, oh, oh. if y'all watch, so I'm cringing. I just took a second. <laughs> I'm quitting because you know we both got stories on this marriage ship. Lord have mercy. We got stories on this marriage ship. Okay. So you got to dating, and it's from from what I understand in our conversation, you kind of got to a point where you was like, okay, I feel like I'm at a level where I understand dating mm-hmm. and I understand what I want and what God wants for me so far as relationships. How did you transition into marriage? marriage oh um marriage yes uh i transitioned into marriage thinking that or bringing into marriage all of the fancy fairy tales i had created in my mind about love that's how i transitioned into marriage yep yep that's how i transitioned into marriage um, I was heavy in a church at the time, in a mm-hmm. particular church at the time, and um, met my significant other there at the church. Okay. And so I was under the impression that it had to be God because I met him in a church. And then Ooh. the courtship ensued. Right, right. That's 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 another another point. We'll come back to that one. The courtship yes, ensued. <laughs> Um, it translated from courtship into, you know, full on dating. And it went from courtship dating to marriage within a span of 365 days. Right. Right. Um, so that transition alone, looking back on it now, there wasn't enough time within that transition to fully know each other. Oh, now I know that we had we we recently talked about time. Yeah, God is not a respecter of of time, and mm-hmm. God's timeline can be seven days, seven minutes, seven months, seven years. Um, but there is a level of responsibility you owe yourself within a relationship to get to know the person that you're connecting to before you commit to a marriage. You do not want to walk into a permanent commitment with mm-hmm. temporary expectations. And unfortunately, that's what that that's what my translation translated into. Oh wow! Yeah. That's what my translation. <gasps> um. Yikes. Okay. Transitioning into a permanent commitment with temporary expectations—that's a whole another word within itself. That's 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 a whole another word within itself. But for you to be honest about, sure, I'm in church. He's here in church. We met each other in church. Why this can't be God? It had to be, right? It had, it just, it's the setup. God set me up. He it's did. Like, this, is, this is what this is. Mm, no. No. It, and, that, and that's another thing, too, because that's another thing that we believe, like, oh, you got to get a God-fearing man or a woman. She has to go to church. And, and y'all supposed to be in church together. And that... It's great. Right. And it should be some form of a standard. But everybody in church is not of God. 
because the devil goes to church every Sunday. So, and he know the word, just like we do. You got to think about it. So let's give you some history on the devil. The devil was an angel mm-hmm. in heaven first. Come on. So he know God. Oh, he knows God. He decided that he wanted to wild out and do his own little thing. And God was like, okay, I didn't told you about playing around in my house. Either you're going you gonna to follow the rules or I'm going to put you out. Right. And he decided that, you know what, I'm going to do what I want. I'm an angel. I have just as much power as you. I'm going to do what I want. So God ended up kicking him out. He got kicked out. So therefore, he had what he had in an eternal fire, pretty right. much. So I'm going to leave that at that. So the devil goes to church too, and he knows he knows the Lord as well. However, comma. There is a such thing in the Bible that says about being unequally yoked. And it does not mean, it does not only mean it for marriage, it also means it for dating. Mm-hmm. Because I, my first marriage was definitely unequally yoked in so many ways because I did not believe in the same things. Yeah. My ex-husband grew up Jehovah's Witness. I don't even know what that looks like. I drove past the Kingdom Hall, but I don't know what them people doing there. I don't know nothing. <laughs> I don't know nothing about the Kingdom Hall. All I know is they're Jehovah's Witness. They are a group of people that knock on my door on Saturday when I'm eating my Frosted Flakes. Right. And that they want to have a conversation. If I want to talk to them, they leave me a pamphlet. That's all I knew right. about Jehovah's Witness. But for me to marry one and for him to try to implement their teachings inside of a household where I, I don't, like I said, I don't know what y'all do. Right. Unequally yoke. He had different dreams and aspirations. His only thing, his only goal in life was to be a good father. That's so phenomenal. And that's so great. However, business wise, what are you going to leave to your children? How are you going to develop wealth? Can you handle money? Do the like the things that I believe in too, because I do believe spiritual and practical. Right. It has to be some type of norm in between there. That was his only goal. So he's looking at me crazy, going to school full time, working on a degree, all of this other stuff, which was not his goal. We're arguing about me going to class. Right. We're arguing about me working on my degree. We're arguing about. Me being on the phone with my mom because he didn't have a relationship with his parents like that. He was cool. He was cool with his dad, but him and his mom really wasn't. They weren't. They didn't see eye to eye. Me and my mom, we be on the phone like we girlfriends. Yeah. Like just popping it up for hours. Oh my, my phone dead. My, I gotta go. I'm gonna call you back when my phone charged. Like that type of stuff. I had to sneak in, talk to my mom on the phone in the car. So unequally yoke on it does not only go for marriage in my book that's my opinion it goes for dating as well because if we don't believe the same things and we're not on the same page right it doesn't work it can't work and so did you experience that did you see any of that even though you were going to the same church um did i did i see unequally yokeness yes not at first. Okay. It, it took me getting into the covenant of marriage for me to see how unequally yoked we were. Wow. Um, and having a similar story to yours, um, 
kind of going back and forth about who who can and can't be talked to at at certain points you know what i'm saying wow. it was it became so toxic at times um because there wasn't a connection outside of outside of me um, yeah he he was close to his family no doubt um but his mom had passed away at a younger age and so where i lacked in deficit with my dad was something that he grew up with kind of as well but his connection to his parents was a little bit with mom passing on his connection to his parents was a little bit different it looked different than my connection to my mom and my family right our family dynamics looked different how we grew up looked different and similar to your ex-husband my ex-husband also had that um that dream and that aspiration to become a, a good husband <clears throat> excuse me and to become a good father and it really didn't didn't go if, if I can remember correctly, it really didn't go any further than that. There were some things that were dibbled and dabbled into, but there was yeah. no, I'm throwing my whole self at this thing, um, Tasha, watch me type deal. Um, where I needed leadership, there was a lack of it, honestly. Yes. And I didn't realize, again, all of those things because I went into my marriage with rose-colored glasses. There was this guy that I met that I felt was dope. He loved me. I loved him. And we went on this whirlwind romance that led into a marriage. And that's why I say, even though God doesn't have a timeline, I do fully believe in getting to know, one, God, two, yes. yourself. Get to yes. know yourself. And third, the person that you're connecting to. Because when you make that permanent covenant commitment before God and your friends and your family, you better be very careful and very sure of making that commitment. I'm not just standing at this altar saying all of these beautiful words in this dope dress in hopes of, you know, making this thing into what it is. It has to be what it is every step of the way and not just every step to the altar. Yes. It, it has to have that that balance it has to have not just that love factor it has to have that practicality it has to have that spirituality it has to have all of those things that you want in your relationship and like i said when i went into my marriage i had these rose colored glasses on i had my fairy tale on high and, and i walked into it and went into it in a deficit i i did I, I i went into it in a deficit and when we connected our connection didn't last we had so many things that that shouldn't have shown up that had they been addressed, had they been yes. addressed properly and with proper people, they wouldn't have been the demise of our marriage. Oh, but you don't know those things because you don't do the, the front end of the work, you know, to get to know the person, to get to know their, their similarities or, or your differences or even their, their deficits. And I think that's yes. one thing that we don't harp on when we're, thinking about dating and things like that. Like if I love you, I love you. I'm gonna love you good, bad, ugly and things of that nature. But how, how ugly is your ugly going to get? Can I love your ugly that much? Ooh. And if I, if I can, cool, let's proceed. If I can't, then hold, hold on. Let's just, you know, let's just stop. Cause in loving somebody, you're loving the whole person from head to toe. Right. Yeah, we start physically. We're starting from head to toe, and if we stop at the head, I'm I'm loving your mind, and I have to also love your mindset. And so, yes. loving your mindset, your mindset has to kind of semi be reflective of what my mindset either is or is becoming. Yes, if one mindset is not necessarily higher, but is a little bit more ambitious than the other person's mindset. Somebody's gonna get left behind. Somebody's yeah. gonna resent somebody, 
and then you have all of these little chinks and kinks that are in the armor of your marriage and it just it's literally only a matter of time before it crumbles yes it's only a matter of time um so that's what that's what kind of happened on that aspect so i for me i heard in the chinks and kinks i heard insecurities yeah. Because I have to be honest, like I had my insecurities, my ex-husband had his, and I do believe in heart, we had the mind to do it right. Mm -hmm. We had the mind that we were going to make it work. We even went to the church that, that um, even though he was Jehovah's Witness, he decided to go to church with me and take on my church and my church family and join the church and everything. And so there was a marriage ministry at this church and he was like, but they said couples. So when you hear couples, you're like, Oh, we right. couple, we go together. So let's, let's go join the couples ministry, not knowing that it was married people. So when we went to them, we went to a meeting, they met us in the parking lot and was like, Oh, welcome. How long have y'all been married? And we was like, we have, we're not married. We're dating. And so the leaders looked at us and was like, do y'all live together? And we were like, kind of, because it was like, he's at my house more than he's at his own. So kind of, sort of, or whatever. And so she was like, oh, are you married? And we looked at each other like, huh? She was like, well, if y'all intimate, if y'all are, are cohabitating, mm -hmm. then you're married because you're doing stuff that married people do. And so we found ourselves in this whirlwind of being pushed into marriage yeah. because of church folk and not really stopping and saying, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Right. This is not what we're supposed to be doing. And, it's, and, and I'm not coming down on the church. I just believe that a lot of us get caught up in what church people do that we believe what they're saying is golden and that's not it's really truthfully not of God and because we didn't have strong relationships with God it was just it was just a whirlwind like it was it was crazy we were the couple that we wanted for counseling I'm a, truthfully we asked for marriage counseling right so we asked for marriage counseling and we had to go through all these people or whatever just to get a date set so one day I waited for the person who was over it, went to her after church. And she was like, oh, they never told me you wanted it. They never put you on my calendar. They never said any of that stuff or whatever. Instead of me taking that as a sign to run, mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, okay, well, can, can I put, you know, can we get on your calendar? Can we do this or whatever? The people we wanted us to, to counsel us, they told us, now they pushing for us to get married mm -hmm. but they're they tell us oh well we can't counsel you because we're not licensed we can't we can't help you because we're not licensed i was like but you steadily in our ear telling us that we need to you know or whatever and unfortunately my ex-husband he has a good heart but he was gullible so for him he's like we we gotta do it we gotta we gotta get married like we gotta we gotta make sure that we do this right and everything and so i'm like i'm slowly back in a way like uh I don't think I don't think we need to be doing this but long story short we ended up being in a permanent covenant and shattering 
That's exactly what happened because I didn't tell my family. I couldn't tell my family. I didn't tell my close friends, like my day ones. I, I couldn't bring myself to tell to tell anybody because I knew in the pit of my being that I should not have married him. For him, he's happy. He's excited. He's telling everybody I'm his wife and all this other stuff. Meanwhile, I'm taking my shirt and putting over my head because I'm like, <laughs> uh, um. Yeah, what he said, what what he said, that's what he said or whatever. And and granted, he is a great person for somebody else. Right. He was not a great person for me because we just, we thought we had stuff in common, but we just didn't. We just, we just really did not mesh well. And when it, especially when it came to God, he believed one thing and I believe something totally different and it just did not work out. And so when those insecurities come into play, honey, y'all in trouble. <laughs> and the, the, the crazy thing about insecurities is that they never really go away. Yes. But you have to find a space where your insecurities are safe yep. with that person. Like, can I, how, how vulnerable can I be with you? How, how open and naked can I literally be with you? Like, not just naked physically but spiritually financially how open and honest can I really be with you and am I safe there or are you going to take those same insecurities that I thought were sacred and secret and I, I spoke them to you <clears throat> excuse me are you going to take those same insecurities and then turn a finger towards me and say you are this 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 and this and are the insecurities I shared with you going to now be in my face when yes. we get an argument you know what I'm saying yes. And you got to find that person and wait for the person where your insecurities and your vulnerabilities and your heart is safe. Because if you don't, my girl, my boy, <laughs> you will find yourself in a shamble. Yes, it, it's gone. It's gone. It is definitely going to shatter, shatter you because the things that I told to him in private became argumentative became backlash oh and when we separated honey oh he Ooh. went heels you hear me like my insecurities was no longer a private conversation between us it was between everybody who knew us everybody who didn't know us it was like he was going for blood like he really 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 was and I found myself in a space where I had to isolate like I, I had to isolate because if I don't out isolate, right, I'm going to hurt him. Like I, I'm going to hurt him. I'm going to hurt everybody that's that's allowing him to do this or whatever. Because nobody ever told him besides his mom. Nobody ever told him what you're doing is wrong right. or what you're saying is wrong and your reactions. No, nobody. Everybody, like, I get loyalty. Like, I, I believe, I, I tend to put myself in a space where, yes, I am a loyal person. I, I, I believe in loyalty. But I also believe in calling you out when you're wrong. Right. I do believe in that. And I will want you to do the same thing for me. But the people that he was getting advice from, the people that he was venting to, the people that, that was so-called in his corner or whatever, they were just letting him run rampant, including the people I went to church with. Mm -hmm. The people that I went to church with instantly took his side without asking me anything, without saying, well, what happened or anything like that. They took his side and eventually I ended up leaving. 
End of story. Like I just ended up leaving that church and I had been at that church at that time from the time I moved to Atlanta was 2002 mm-hmm. until 2009. That's a long time to be at that church, to build rapport with everybody inside the church and to have an event like that happen. And they only knew him for what I consider as five minutes. Mm-hmm. And instantly decided I was like, yeah. That, yeah, I got to go because I'm going to end up hurting everybody <laughs> in this case. So, okay. So you're in this marriage. Yeah. Yes. You're seeing all of these things happen. You're noticing all of these things happening. What did you ever feel like um, that you weren't going to get divorced and that you were going to stay and work it out? Yes. Um, I felt that way going into the marriage. I didn't, and and this is something, this is a point that I want to make to anybody that's listening. If you're going to go into marriage, do not go into marriage thinking that you're going to get divorced. Literally take divorce out of your mind, out of your mindset. Yeah. Um, so yes, when I, I set out for marriage and we got married, divorce wasn't even an option. We had actually said divorce is not an option. Yeah, Our pastor had preached, you can pack your bags, but you better not leave. Like we had gotten all of those those cute cliches and things like that. So divorce was never, ever, ever an option. It just yeah. wasn't. Not in my mind. Like, cause marriage to me was so sacred. Cause I had been prepared for marriage since I was like 16, 17. I'm, right. I'm watching the wedding story. Like my dude, I got this. I know. Like I'm ready. Right. So <laughs> I'm thinking that by watching all of these things that I was preparing myself for, for marriage when in actuality, unfortunately I wasn't. Um, but leading up to going through the actual marriage itself, not once, not once throughout the divorce before, throughout the marriage, did I think about or even utter the word divorce because it it had the same connotation to me as infidelity. Yeah, it just it was just a word that we didn't use within our within our marriage within our household. So when we when we got to that point, I literally I can remember falling on my knees in my prayer nook. I had already moved out the house at that time. And um, I was I was living somewhere else. And I remember asking God, and I'm, I'm praying, and I'm like, God, let me go back home. Like, just just let me go back home. Because yeah. this is the same girl whose who's dad didn't tell her that he loved her until she was 13. The same girl that's watching A Wedding Story, Different World of Cos- Cosby's. The same girl that's looking for and modeling love, but not doing so correctly in relationships. And that same girl was um, a part of a family where the women in my marriage, outside of my grandparents, the women in my in my family, their track their track record for marriage was like nope existent. Everybody had gotten married, with the exception of um, a few people, but everybody had gotten married, but everybody had also gotten divorced. So mm. I knew walking into my marriage that divorce just wasn't an option because I was. I had set myself up in my mind and in my heart to be the role model, mighty marriage for my family, for the generation that was coming after me, for my sister, for my cousins, for, you know, all of the ladies in my family. I wanted my marriage to be that mirror image for them, not necessarily their relationship goals, but I wanted them to see, hey, there is somebody in my family that has a successful marriage and this is what it took to get it. So all of that pressure was mounting on me even after I had left my marital home, even after we had 
thought about even uttering the words divorce. So all mm-hmm. of that was so I'm, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And I'm like, God, I just want to go home. I tell my mama, I just want to go home. And the look on my mom's face literally is the only thing that I know for sure outside of God himself that stopped me from going wow. Because I, I'm shay, I was going back home. We was going to figure this out, everything. But when I said those words, the way that she looked at me, I couldn't deny it. I couldn't escape it. I, I had never seen so much fear in my mom's face. Wow. And it wasn't a fear that she, she didn't have to say anything at all. It was communicated on her face and it wasn't, it was beyond concern because even leading up to my marriage, um, the, the rehearsal dinner, like my family and, and my ex-husband, they had gotten into it. I was, oh. let me just bring you up to speed right quick. So two weeks before I actually got married, my stepdad passed away. Oh, wow. Two weeks before I got married June 21st, uh, 2013. He passed away June 1st. So 20 days later, I'm supposed to get married in, oh. in a mind frame. So I had grief, I had depression, and I had this budding bride bouquet in my mind just going on, right? And so that happened. So on the, the night of the, her- the rehearsal dinner, my family actually gets into it with my ex-husband. Wow. Now that should have been cause for concern. But for me, Tasha T, it wasn't at the time. I was just like, they'll figure it out. I really ain't got time for this, yada, yada, yada. So I was talking to my ex-husband. We were sitting outside. And just like you said, when I had that moment to run where I should have run, even though this is the day before, we got people coming, we got food, we got drinks, everything. Where I should have run, I completely ignored anything like that. I completely ignored it. I got back to the hotel room and somebody woke me up. Now, mind you, I didn't get back to the hotel room till maybe one. I get waking. I, somebody woke me up around three, four o'clock in the morning. And this is like concern. Even wow. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, bro, I'm just trying to sleep because I got to get married tomorrow. Like, I, I ain't got time for all this. Right. Leave me alone. <laughs> so all of that happened and it would should have been a sign of anything, of even just pressing pause to reschedule it, which should have been a sign. I did not take it as a sign. I took as discouragement i took it as the complete opposite of a warning i just took it as just nonsense and i completely ignored it so all of that happened um and then leading up to the actual moment that aha moment that i had when i realized i couldn't go back you have my mom's face doing the mom's face the fear face and then um when when i was asking god and i'm praying and i'm like god i I just want to go home we need to figure this out after I'd already said it to my mom. And he literally tells me to take my hand off of it. And I, I, I remember I sat up in the middle of the bed and I was like, God, are you sure? Are you absolutely sure? And that's, that's just what kept happening. That's just what kept being repeated. And I was like, okay. And the moment I, it was literally a moment of surrender in the middle of the bed, in the middle of the night, the moment I did this, there was something that happened within me that was just okay. Wow. It was just okay. I, I didn't want to have that because I felt like if I went through with the divorce, I'd be walking around like the people with the scarlet letter. Instead of an A, I'd have a big, bright D 
I, I didn't want to be. That wasn't the lane that I chose for myself. God, look, listen, I want marriage. Yes, yes. I want marriage. And he was saying, daughter, I understand that you want marriage and I want that for you. But this ain't, this right here isn't going to work in your favor. Lord. And I, I literally had to pick myself up, brush myself off, and become okay with that being the outcome of my marriage. <sighs> okay. Listen, if I was a sensitive person, I was weeping. <laughs> I was weeping just now. First of all, when you said your mom gave you a look, honey, let me tell you something. All Judy Ann got to do it's just angle like she about to look at me and it's a wrap like it's it's a done deal but for me I couldn't tell my family because remember I didn't tell my family I got married mm-hmm. I didn't tell them that let me tell you how I got married I got married on a Saturday when I was supposed to be at dance rehearsal <laughs> on a Saturday in the top of the church mm. with snow boots okay snow boots okay fitted jeans mm-hmm a shirt and this half like this crop hoodie that that's how i got married yeah that's 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 exactly how i got married foolishness from the day from the from the day that it started i had so many signs before then like the funny thing was we that ceremony mm-hmm. again the people who didn't want to counsel us but was like oh we'll marry you ended up marrying us gave us the, the license not knowing that we're supposed to take the license down to the courthouse to get it officiated. Yeah, didn't know that. Then prior to when we filled out the application for the license, he thought we were married at the courthouse. No, honey, you just filled out the application so you can get your marriage license. Strike three. <laughs> I mean, strike two. <laughs> you know, and then before that, like okay trying to get a counseling and nobody will counsel us and nobody you know just like all these loopholes have happening there go number three Mm. tasha the day that we went to the courthouse we ended up parking at a, a parking lot that was around the corner from the actual courthouse when we got to the courthouse this he I can't call him an ex because we never really, really dated. But there was this guy that was very, very fond of me. And he was so fond of me that he just asked me to marry him on the spot. And I was like, yo, you crazy. I No, uh-uh, <laughs> can't do that. But, for real, but he, to be honest, he taught me how great I was and how, how great somebody could love me just meeting me or whatever. So he he's still a friend to this day. But he was very intricate at that moment I hadn't seen him in about three years mm-hmm. and when we got to the courthouse his red loud red vehicle was sitting out front of the courthouse Uh-oh. and I paused and I was like oh, this is a sign like I should not be going into this courthouse and I promise you the whole time we walking into the courthouse I'm ducking I'm dodging because I don't want to run into him because if I run into him I'm going to break down crying and I'm going to run to him and be like please get me out of here please get me out of here I don't want to do this but 
I didn't run into him. We ended up doing the application. And it was just so many signs like, Shay, you can't even tell your family. That should have been a number one sign. You can't even tell the day one. Like, that was a whole nother sign or whatever. So that was just an awkward situation within itself. But I, I believe that we tend to go so hard for something that we think we believe in. And then when we end up in it, we're like, oh, man. This like this shouldn't happen. And then the other thing too, because marriage is so connected to God and so connected to his covenant, we're like, okay, I can't keep fornicating. I gotta, I gotta get married. This is not right. Or I I can't keep going down this road that I'm going down. I gotta get married and I gotta stay married and I gotta stay in this right. marriage. Cause marriage again, I mean divorce again. It's not an option. And I've seen everybody else relationship fall and I've seen all this other stuff and I got to be the one to break the chain. Like I got to, I got to be that person. So you're going through all of these things in your head in which God never intended for. He never intended for that or whatever. And I'm not, trust me, I am not an advocate for divorce. Not at all. I am an advocate for premarital counseling. Hallelujah. Because it will <laughs> <laughs> you can save yourself a quarter of later, boo boo, if you just listen. You can save yourself the grief. You can save yourself the heartache. You can save yourself the disrespect. You can save yourself the arguments, the 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 plight, all of that stuff. Like with the proper, because I know there are some people who have premarital counseling and still ended up on the other side or whatever. Right. But on premarital counseling, before you decide to even do it. But pray for the right people to come and God will give you the right people to help you get through it. But premarital counseling will definitely, definitely save your life. So because so back to being in this church and being in this relationship to, with God or whatever, did you beat yourself up about divorce? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I was a mess. I was a hot mess. Shit! I was a mess, baby. <laughs> Yeah, there were certain parts of the of the floor um certain parts of the carpet I was just and it was crazy because I was I was a, a mental health counselor at the time throughout my my marriage so at the end of it mm -hmm. I was still doing counseling and so okay. I would go to work as a counselor I would cry from the time that I got up till it was time to go to work okay I would fix myself up I would go in the office if it was office day I'd go to work I would cry once I got back in my car to go to my counseling position, my job, because we oh. had I was out in the community at the time. So okay. maybe I had a 20 minute drive to get to a client's house. So I'm crying from the time I get in the car to the time I get to the client's house. I park outside. I had my, my tissue in the glove compartment. Fix it. I had my eyeliner, all my other makeup. Fix that. Go in there. I'm counseling these children and counseling some of the parents as well. I get back in the car, cry all the way home. That was my life for at least six to eight months. That was wow. my daily routine. On Fridays, I was stopping at Baskin Robbins. I was getting a quart of ice cream. No, I think it was a pint. I think I graduated to a quart. I don't know. Okay. But it started out as a pint, a pint of ice cream, Creole cream cheese and rainbow sherbet. I'm just saying to all of the listeners, it's the bomb. <laughs> um, so I was getting that every Friday. And this was the cycle that I had. This was my new normal. This was my new cycle. This was what I had become. I was a complete and total train wreck for like six to eight months. Ooh. Maybe even longer. I'm not sure. 
But for sure, there were spots in my house where I was staying at the time where I would cry. I would cry downstairs. I'd cry upstairs. I'd cry in the shower. I'd cry on the sofa. I I learned to not cry so much when I was watching TV because when I would, um, what that was, when I would go to the library, the library was my outlet because I was like two minutes away from the library at the time. So I would go to the library and I would find these movies to play on the DVD player and I would always get something funny. It had to be something that was laugh out loud funny. Yeah. And that became the therapy for myself, along with dancing and baking and all of those things. But yeah, I would laugh and cry. <laughs> oh, Lord. Ooh, it was bad. I was a mess. But I mean, but that feeling of, well, first of all, I was, I was big on age because, well, first of all, I'm a planner. So I plan everything to a T. Like, when we was in high school, I was like, okay, at 18, I'm going to be done with this. At 21, I'm going to do this. At 23, I got to get this done. At 25, I'm going to do this. At, at this. At, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to have this, this, and this, and this, and this. And then now I'll disguise this, and then I'll do all this other stuff. Honey, at the age of 25, I was divorced. 25. Honey, I was, you talking about you was a mess. I was like, ain't nobody going to want to date me. Ain't nobody going to Married me. I'm 25. I'm the one. I, like, I'm like, honey, I'm thrown away. You hear me? I am no good to nobody. Yeah. You hear me? Like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm no good to nobody. And then it took me, it took me a year. Yeah, it took me a year to actually be like, you know what? I made that mistake. Yes, it was a mistake. God clearly forgave me for it or whatever and he walked me through this whole situation okay i'm back on me <laughs> i'm back to being me i went and i went through that phase of oh my god god gonna disown me he gonna send me to hell he gonna he gonna take my life he gonna he gonna make me suffer like honey i was i was a true like you heard me like i was a real like oh lord <laughs> he gonna send me around the mountain for 40 years <laughs> It was like, oh, ain't nobody gonna ever marry me, Lord. Ain't gonna nobody gonna like me or nothing like that. And so, and 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 it was because I didn't understand the context of divorce, and because I didn't understand for real, for real, what God meant about divorce. Because you know how sometimes we could take scriptures and we will customize them to us. Yes. But I was like, no, you need to make this thing plain to me. Like I need you to give me clarity on this because I don't want to get, ever get out of your graces. I know I've done some crazy stuff in the past, but I, I'm at this point where I don't want to be out of your graces. And when I had that moment with God mm -hmm. and when I I felt him release me, then I was like, oh, it's going down. Mm -hmm. I went to the law library. I did my own divorce. I had the county pay for it. I didn't pay for it. Because I wasn't working at the time or whatever. I had him subpoena. I had him served. I had all kinds of stuff that was going on or whatever. And and he cut a fool. I'm not going to lie. All that thing cut a fool. <laughs> Listen, he cut up, Tasha. That thing cut up. And even though he... Even though he act up and, and still was going off like he was before or whatever... Um. God still put angels in in my in my space to be like it's okay, it's all right. You just come back and come do this. You just come back and you do this. And mind you, I didn't have a car at the time, so I'm catching the train, the bus, 
borrowing friends' cars and all this other stuff, taking taxi cabs, trying to get all of this stuff done. And finally got to a point where it was like, I'm done. And the crazy thing is, years later, after I, I got married, again, this the last one, for real. <laughs> um, after I got married, I was going through my paperwork and I found the day that my marriage was, my first marriage was officially divorced, which was July 26, 2011. I married my husband and best friend July 26, 2014. <laughs> Crazy, right? So if that, if nothing else solidifies anything else, yeah, look, look, God said what he said and it is what it is. So, <laughs> and so now we're here and in July, it'll be six years that we've been married. Oh, wow. So just that fast that went fast that went really fast i don't know what happened in between that time but it went really fast so <laughs> but but it, it solidified something for me and and again like i said we are not advocates for for divorce right we are advocating that you are not less of and less than because you end up in a space where that unfortunately was the option Right. Unfortunately. So that that's that's what I'm advocating. That's what Tasha's advocating. That's what we're speaking of. And we're telling you our story so you don't feel so chained to this. Cause I meet a lot of people that are that are struggling. They really are struggling. And it's not it's never it's never God's intent for us to struggle. Like in this life, we're going to have trials and we're going to have tribulation that just comes with the territory. However, is it his plan? No. And a lot of stuff that we do is self-inflicted. That's just the truth. You know, that's, that's just the truth about it. And it never was his um, intent for us to suffer. But if we do, please believe he's going to be there to make sure that we get out of it. And we're going to be safe and we're going to live because you didn't die. did you? No. You didn't, you didn't die. So, <laughs> so you'll be fine. So Tasha, so what was your biggest takeaway from your dating failure and from your marriage failure? Ooh. The biggest takeaway from dating, I would say is do it with purpose, date with purpose, date with intention. Um, don't, don't be out here. Now, there is a season, just like you said earlier in the podcast, there is a season where you can go out and be like, okay, I'm just having fun, things like that. But when you get to the point where you're serious about yourself, yes. and you want to take it to the next level with somebody else, be purposeful and be intentional in who you connect to and watch your connections. Most importantly, watch your your soul ties. That's good. Your soul ties will, will wreck you. You know what I'm saying? But watch that. As far as marriage, the biggest takeaway. <laughs> now, which, one wanna, which, which one of these these little jewels I want to give y'all? Because um, <laughs> child, there was, there was some takeaway. It was a lot. It was a, it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, the biggest takeaway I would say: don't make a, a permanent decision based on temporary expectations. Um, yeah. Don't go into your marriage one with the mindset of divorce because that's not an option. Take it off the table. But be sure about who you're connecting to and make sure that you are a whole person that's connecting to another whole person. Don't be out here being half a person or half a man or woman and expecting to connect to somebody and not have that connection be a little bit shady because because yeah. it is. And, and who you're connecting to is 
I hate to say it, but I love to say it at the same time because marriage in its totality is no different. It, it has differences, but it's no different than actually signing your name on a mortgage. It's no different than signing your name in, on, on a piece of paperwork to get a car. It is a transaction. It's a spiritual transaction. It's a divine transaction. And yeah. you have to be, decide that you want a partner. That's the biggest takeaway for me is I didn't have a partner. I want a life partner the next go round. I want a life partner. I want somebody that I can have insecurities with and have my insecurities be safe and my vulnerabilities be safe. I want to feel safe with you, not just physically. I want to feel spiritually, financially, mentally, emotionally safe with that person. Yeah, that's the safe, the safety of it all. Right. The safety of, of it all is so, um, it's so prominent, man, because you got to have a safe haven. You do. You, you got to have a safe haven, whether it's, um, you need one spiritually, right. one. And to have it in physicality, in, in a physical manifestation is even better. And I, I always tell people this, like, the best relationships are the ones that's built upon friendship. Friendship builds the foundation yes. of, because I'm going to be honest, being married is great. But do I want my husband all the time? No, I want my best friend right, right? now. Right? <laughs> I don't, I don't, no, I don't want that right now. I don't, and for him, it's the same thing. Like, he wants, he wants his best friend. He wants his jokester. He wants, right. like, you want to be able to, to be in a relationship where you can require, well, ask of that, of that person, and they're able to give it to you seamlessly. Right. Because we not husband and wife every day. That's just the truth of it. Like, some days, I'm just like, I don't feel like it. <laughs> like I don't feel like it but I do believe and it's funny and this is how I knew um I knew that the people that I was dating saw value in me I was dating this guy one time and it didn't work out but he was like he he blatantly said to me he was like when you get married it's gonna be somebody that you have already had a friendship and an establishment when because you're not just gonna choose somebody you you're not just gonna be out here just marrying people whatever it's gonna be somebody that you have a foundation with and when he's as crazy as he is <laughs> when he said that i was like light bulb <laughs> light bulb because it, it's true because my husband and i we were friends first right and we are right. real friends until until this day and until the end of time our friendship sustains our marriage when you start going into a relationship and you're trying to build the foundation in the marriage right like, yeah because you don't have nothing to stand on no. especially if you don't have a blueprint of marriage don't know what it feels like again not being told you was love don't know what love looked like or anything not even know what grace and mercy looks like in a, re a relationship that's even that's a whole nother podcast within right. itself but, <laughs> but not knowing not knowing that and not having those those things can definitely leave you blowing in the wind it's like building your house on sand right. literally building your house on sand so what what other advice would you give to them? I, I mean, if you're okay with dropping more jewels, you know, because I'm, I'm, 
which one you got passed away. But <laughs> what other advice would you give them to to be able to um to date on purpose and to so that way they can get married on purpose? Uh well, you you did touch on um being friends first because baby, that foundation is paramount. Like you said, you will build a house on sand thinking that it's stone and then you realize that it ain't nothing but literally salt. <laughs> and when it comes and it gets washed away, it's like, dang it, dang it. Like how right. can I have that one? So being friends first is is paramount. Having God in that thing. Come Having on. That thing. You have to have God in it from the beginning to the end. So I want to be in a relationship with my best friend. Um... You want to have God in that thing. You want to make sure that, again, I'm, I'm stressing wholeness because you don't want to walk into a relationship not being, thinking that somebody is going to complete you. I don't want somebody that's going to complete me. I want somebody that's going to compliment me. Come on. You you have to have that aspect. So no, ain't nobody completing nobody. If y'all listening, ain't nobody complete nobody. You complete already. But <laughs> Hold steady and, and wait for that person that compliments you, like compliments all kinds of things about you. Like y'all just balance each other out. And that would be my next thing. Um, next little jewel is that there should be balance. Yeah. And like you said, in your relationship, like in, in your marriage right now, which she said hashtag is the last one. And I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> uh, you want to have balance. I, I want my friends and like, my relationship that I'm in right now. Shout, hey, babe, if you listen, hey, babe. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to have balance. I want to be able to to talk to my partner. We, we got to be able to talk about God. We got to be able to talk about family. We got to be able to talk about money and do so effortlessly. But also, I want to be able to talk about that last episode of Insecurity we saw. Like, Come on. having that balance is, is, is critical to the to the the meat of your relationship you, you gotta have it. so balance be friends be besties um put god in that thing and and what was the other thing i said <laughs> you're so funny thing i said lord um, <laughs> always be let let there always be grace mercy and forgiveness in your relationship yeah in dating in, in your marriage and be able to forgive yourself love yourself enough that's a good one. That's a good one. Love yourself enough to walk away. Oh, whether that's dating, and it should happen in the dating phase so that it doesn't happen in the marital phase. Love yourself enough to get your bags and walk away. I'm about to tap everything in front of. <laughs> I'm just about to so that knock it, it all over in marriage. And and another one because you touched on this one because we actually had premarital counseling. Seek. Someone that you know can help you. Yes. And that, you know, our pastors at the time who did the premarital counseling um, for what it was in the beginning and, and where we were within our relationship, that was fine. I did wish that it was a little bit longer. I think that premarital counseling should be um, similar to marriage counseling. Like, yes. we, we're not good after three sessions because I, I don't know enough about him and he don't know enough about me off of these worksheets that we've done and completed. Right. Now, granted, in that relationship, you should have already done the work. Some some responsibility is on you. But in seeking those counselors, somebody that you are hoping that can pour life into your marriage, into your upcoming marriage, you want to seek somebody, not just that's that's licensed um, in the, the natural world, but you want to seek somebody that's on a spiritual level that you and your partner are on. 
Yes. Because that's what's going to sustain you when it feels like everything else around you is crumbling. Your friendship and the word of God. Boom. There it is. Wisdom in all thy getting, and that's scripture too, in all thy getting, get understanding. Understanding. Yes. Get understanding. So, Tasha, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Where can we reach out to you? Instagram, Facebook, website. Okay. So <laughs> there's a couple of ways y'all can reach me, my loves. A couple of ways. In in the words of y- Yana Van Zandt, beloveds, beloveds. Yes, yeah, beloveds. Look, look, let me put that on. Yana, I wasn't, yeah, yeah, listen. I'm not trying to take your, your tagline, baby. I just <laughs> used it for a second, just a little bit. Okay. Um, But you can find me on Facebook at Tasha T. Houston. You can find me on Instagram at TT Houston. Or you can go to my website, TashaHouston.com. Yes, TashaHouston.com. And thank you guys for listening. We we pray that this, this helps you. And of course, you can reach me on Instagram at Wisdom by 30. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back soon.